And as Christians, like we really need to get back to, I think, the secret place with God and creating yeah. space for God to say like, hey, no, 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 don't forget, like you have a holy fire in you yeah. that the world needs. Don't listen to that stuff. You need to kind of move back into this place and go after what God has for you. Welcome to 242, a podcast of the Buffalo Vineyard Church, where we talk about things that matter to our lives as followers of King Jesus. Today, I'm talking with Jake Hannon, good friend of mine. Uh, he's the director of FCA here in Buffalo, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. He is a fellow um, college athlete. He was a hockey player. So we start off talking about sports, but we also use that as a vehicle to talk about passion and vocation. Um, and just what it means to be people who are wired by God for something specific in the world. And then we also talk quite a bit about um, freedom and discernment and what it means to be people who are doing God's will, um, but also are being the kind of people that God wants us to be. So I hope you enjoy. All right. So Jake, you were a um, pretty successful hockey player. So you you surprised me uh yeah so yesterday you had me on your radio show and you had my pedigree man mm-hmm. um i mean you haven't had stuff on there that you didn't bring up on the show like you had some good stuff i was like oh wow this guy did some homework i don't i didn't do any homework on you whatsoever <laughs> but you've shared with me a little bit of your your pedigree as a hockey player so you're not allowed to brag but you're also not allowed to be humble mm-hmm. like honest assessment of your hockey pedigree um, we're, I see we're, we're doing the French press right now in the studio. <laughs> yes. So I'll say I had a cup of coffee <laughs> in, in some of the, it, with, uh, some of the, maybe more like high level hockey, yeah. um, division one, uh, you know, that was like my goals to play division one. So, I mean, I played junior hockey all over the country, played in different cities, thousands of fans, autographs, you know, it was just like this niche market of small cities across the country where that's all there was, was a hockey rink and Marquette, Michigan and 1500 people from the town show up and go nuts for the game. And you're like, I'm really not that good, but this is kind of a lot of hype and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. So you kind of feel cool. Um, But how, so playing junior hockey, like you've explained that a little bit to me. Um, And my understanding of that is that that's kind of like a path to the pros, right? That's separate from the college path. So there's kind of like two paths to the pros. So, um, yeah, so there's junior leagues that are paid and there's, there's some that aren't paid. Okay. There's like three in Canada that are paid, the OHL, QMJHL, and uh, WHL. Uh, but so if you go to those leagues, I mean, like Pat, Patrick Kane grew up in Buffalo, went to Michigan at 15 to play honey-baked AAA travel. Then he goes to play in the OHL London Knights. Okay, they pay him a hundred grand a year or whatever. Oh wow, for as junior. a sixteen-year-old, but he's he can't play college, right? So he was committed. I think he was going to go to Ohio State for D- Division One, um, but he went. He wanted to go. Those paid leagues kind of give you a little bit more exposure for the NHL draft. That's uh, traditionally where the NHL has gone to draft players. Is gotcha. those three paid leagues in Canada? It's called Major Junior or Tier One Junior A. Um, then there's other leagues that aren't paid, and there's various leagues, East Coast, West Coast of the U.S. There's four or five leagues in Canada where you're not paid. It, the caliber is probably a little lower than those guys. Those are like maybe the top draft picks that go up and play and get paid. These leagues are for, for you know, players that want to pursue a college, go, go the college route. Okay. And these days, I mean, like, so the United States Hockey League, you know, everyone that plays in that league is getting a Division One scholarship somewhere. And okay. And a great you know a great amount like that league is now becoming almost the the premier league for nhl draft picks too interesting so i mean like the sabers what were you in so i played a little i had a cup of coffee in that league the united states hockey league in green bay wisconsin yeah um our our rink was right next to lambeau field where the packers (laughs) play so it was you know and we had six thousand fans and it was you know it was if it's a semi-pro environment for sure the way you get treated but they don't give you money Yeah, because then if you do that, you you lose your college. So you weren't blue chip, but you were like tier tier below blue chip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's kind of where I was at in wrestling. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think I was good as you though, because you you I made the net na- division one national tournament. I played for like army, so I played D one at, at West Point. Right, that's like low end D one. Gotcha. But I still played with like right. Some of my teammates are like my D partner at army played uh, in preseason the NHL for the Boston Bruins. So yeah, right. you know I, I yeah. 
I drank coffee with those guys. I, I, right. I couldn't keep up with them on the ice. But <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, but again, that's elite level sports. Yeah. Like you were, you were, that's what you were, is you were an elite hockey player mm-hmm. at the, at the like junior and college level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if you were going to, so Im- imagine that there's somebody sitting here who's like, yeah, like s- sports. I mean, I played like some pickup soccer games as a kid or like I was on a basketball team for one year or something, but I'm just not really into sports. What are some of the things that you would say to somebody like that to help them understand what it's like to participate in that world of sports, that level of sports, which, you know, I'm sure there's differences between hockey and wrestling and baseball and whatever, but there is, you know, you and I have talked, like there's a similarity to like higher level athletics that, you know, all, all elite athletes are going to experience. What are, what are some of the things that you would point at and say, this is what it was like for me to play hockey at that level. And both the sport, you know, like you might talk about just important aspects of the sport, the way it shaped you, but also like the culture or the, the environment. What, what are things that to you are relevant mm-hmm. to your experience as a hockey player at that level? Yeah. Um, I, I, I learned a lot. I did a lot wrong too. Mm. I don't think I really. Are you talking about sports wise or all of the above? All of the above. Like, I don't think that my character really developed until um, when I met Jesus. Yeah. So when was that? Uh, my junior year of college. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All where right. I was already had played D one. Yeah. You know, and done all that. I just when looking back, I have dreams. So the the at Church night. of Hockey got a hold of you well before the yeah. Church of Jesus did. Yes, and it isn't always a good church. <laughs> right. Yeah. That church is a little more messed up. Yeah. There's a lot of missing teeth. Yeah. <laughs> So if you do it the right way, so I'd say sports can provide an atmosphere to build character, to build like team. You can be a part of a team. I mean, yeah. even if it's like signing up for intramurals, like you're on a team, you have to learn how to be yeah. a teammate, to yep. serve, to to get along with others, to pass the ball, to, you know, yeah. work, you know, work in tandem with others and as selfish human beings, prideful human beings. Like we have problems working at, on teams sometimes. And mm. so, and you know, the environment of sport, like you get a bunch of people hitting each other with hockey sticks or <laughs> like you were saying on the radio, Yeah, wrestling brings out your whole, you have to put your whole heart on the mat. Like, otherwise you're going to get flattened. You, you might even get flattened if you bring your whole heart. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but you have no shot of not getting flattened <laughs> if you don't show up in total. Exactly. So, right. you, you know, Sports provide, okay, here's a word. It makes a, it puts a demand on you uh, where you have to invest. And so when you, when we invest part of ourself in something, it creates a forum for us to grow. And so, yeah, character, all all those things are great. But if we're not, if we're not, if we don't have the character to invest in that thing, then we're kind of in trouble, you know, like, so for me, like, yeah, I learned grit, discipline, like, you know, working out three, you know, you skate, you know, especially at West Point, like you're up at five, you're out at formation, you go to breakfast, you're getting hazed, you go to class all day, then you, you're exhausted at three o'clock, but guess what? It's time for practice. Your yeah. coach, he doesn't care that you're like doing military training. He just wants you to perform, you know, on the ice. And if you're not putting the puck where it needs to be, he's going to smash a stick over the glass and yell at you and tell you how horrible you are. And then after that, you got to go lift weights because you got to, you know, it's, it's not just being on the ice. You got to train off the ice. You're an hour and a half in the gym. They bring dinner to you. And then, you know, it's like 7 p.m. And you got four hours of homework to do. So you're doing <laughs> homework for four hours, you know. Yeah. And then it's like, all right, it's 11 p.m. And you're up at 5 the next morning. And that's just your life. And then you're traveling on road trips, going and play in other colleges. Yeah, like you can't, like that's great, you know. But um. But you again, made it sound great. I'm sure a lot of people are like, I want to do that. Yeah. No, not at all. <laughs> it's not fun. <laughs> right. Um, it it's really, a job. Yeah, it is 100% a job at that point. But I, I was actually thinking, I don't know if it was last night or this morning, um, about how when I was uh, 15, I, got, I, got, I went to three high schools my senior year. Okay. Because I, I went up to Canada to play for a team. I didn't quite make it. Mm. They wanted me to play on like a lower team. And then I was like, probably not. And then um, I went to Syracuse and I tried to stick there and it just didn't really stick. So I was there for like two months 
in a different high school. Yep. And then I, I landed in Youngstown, Ohio, mm-hmm. and I was like splitting time between the top team and the the neck the second team. And I remember we had been on winter break and you're supposed to train and do stuff over winter break and I didn't do anything. <laughs> right. And I'm an aspiring hockey player. Right. And I was just being lazy. Yep. And uh and then I got back from winter break and these two guys on my team who are also my age, like we were very young, like it was up a level. Um, and they, they were, we were on the ice and we were flicking pucks around and, you know, doing the fun stuff. And then they're like, all right, we're going to like do some laps and like do some conditioning. And I was like, well, no one's making us do conditioning. And they're like, come on, Hanny, you got to be better. You got to get better. And I was like scared because I was like, well, I know they're in better condition than me. So I'm going to get embarrassed right now. Um, if we do these laps, cause they're going to be in better shape. I didn't do anything over break. Like I'm going to puke everywhere. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they were like so kind. They were such good teammates to me, even though like we were competing for the same job, like yeah. literally on the same team. And they were just like, come on, man, like, let's go, let's go. Like they're pushing me in such a good way. These guys aren't even Christians. Yeah. Right? right. And like they had more character than me Yeah. and I just stayed at the bench and ultimately never made that team and it, it took me a couple more years till I started to get a discipline of like exercise where you know I started to make that a part of my life and then that helped take me to the next level but yeah I mean just I think the number one thing is like you any forum is great art music entertainment sports they're all good because they provide they pr- they put a demand on you to 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 be to grow but if you don't have jesus in the midst of that like if you're not constantly seeking him then like you're probably you're not really going to grow you know um in ways that are meaningful and eternal so Uh, right yeah i don't know no that i think that's that story is really powerful because it's a it's a moment of and i mean maybe people who aren't who who don't come from like a high level of commitment to athletics might not see it as moral failure, mm-hmm. but you and I will both call what you did moral failure. I feel just as bad about that as right. sinning or, right. you know what I mean? Like, well, I mean, I would argue that like within the context of, I have a dream that I'm chasing and I just chose yeah. to not chase it. Like that is sinful behavior. Like it's, it's mm-hmm. cowardice or it's, you know, whatever you want to call that. And again, you know, if it's, if it's some like eight year old who has no interest in playing hockey, who like, obviously it's not a sin to like not do laps. <laughs> Fine. Don't do laps. <laughs> but like within the context of like, I'm, I'm, I'm somebody who has a dream that I'm chasing with my life. And this is a goal that I actually care about. And now I'm actively just avoiding pursuing it. I think you, I think it's fair to call that sinful behavior, mm-hmm. you know, especially when it's motivated by some of the things that you were, you were sharing. And, you know, I have some of those same stories too, both obviously both spiritually as well as athletically or, you know, and I think those, those moments where we bump up against our, I guess I would just say our flesh, our failure, our, you know, what, like whatever you yeah. want, to, but like our weakness, our moral weakness, mm-hmm. um, man, if, if you, if you actually are having to confront that in yourself, it's an incredibly powerful moment where you have choices to make. And, you know, it sounds like you didn't make the right choice in the moment, but you reflected on that and that led to you making the right choices down the road. And that's what's really powerful about that. And to your point, you know, that's, that happened for you on a hockey rink, but that can happen, you know, in whether it's the arts or business or, you know, there's a lot of other places where we can have those kinds of experiences. But I think, you know, higher levels of sport, it, it, it does force you to be confronted with the reality of who you are and who you aren't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It can happen at your job. You right. Know? But the, your the, marriage. The, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a great man. Yeah. Uh, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> but the point of like sports, I guess, especially for young people is like, let's let that, let's let that happen in a safe environment before yeah. you get to your job or before you get married. Right. Right. You want, you want to make those mistakes at eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, yeah. 15, and not at, you know, 45, you know? Right. <laughs> so, and you, we still, we still make those mistakes all the time. Right. But I think that's, I'm definitely grateful for, for sports and 
honestly, sometimes I look back because hockey shaped me in such a, like, in some ways, a negative way because of the culture, this, yeah. the godless culture. and Talk more about that. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, you know, nobody was talking about any type of faith or religion in the locker room in any positive light. If, if it was talked about, it was, like, literally mocked. made fun of, mocked, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Hostile environment. For are there faith. professional hockey players that are pretty public about their faith? There are some. Yeah. Um, the NHL is way less than I heard a stat seventy percent of NFL. I don't think that that's true. Huh. I heard a past that are like that. publicly Christian. Yeah, I don't know if that's true. I but you heard do hear a lot more of that, just like kind of on air or whatever. You hear people talk again that I never know what to do with that because mm-hmm. we live in a nominally Christian country. So, so I mean, like. I know the Bills chaplain pretty well. Eight of the t- eight to twelve coaches go to a coach's Bible study. Okay, out of what twenty coaches? Yeah, so that's pretty bit. It's pretty significant. Well, right, that is significant. I mean, I'd be curious to know how that translates across the league, but that doesn't surprise me, knowing what I know. Just kind of, I mean, I may actually follow the Bills. I don't follow any other NFL teams, um, and then what I've heard from, you know, you hear you hear like comments. Yeah, you know what I mean, and. and like that has been what I've kind of perceived about the bills, but that's really cool to hear. Yes. And I think a lot of the players, like they get 30, 40 out of a hundred at chapel. The Sabres actually have a few Christians now, which they've only had like one here and there for the past like decade. That's crazy. So I think they actually have like a couple guys that go to chapel. So if you're listening to this and you have a heart for unreached people groups, yeah, <laughs> please pray for the Sabres. Seriously. Well, There's I, hockey players everywhere who don't know Jesus. Exactly. I'm smiling, but I'm serious. So yeah, I could say, right, so I could say a lot about that. Talk. I'm, I'm going to hold back. <laughs> right. But talk more about that, that what it was like for you to be a part of that environment. And you know, you talked about that having a negative formation on you. Yeah. Well, Cause like now I'm in the stage where I have kids, right? So yeah. I'm trying to figure out, do I, what do I do? Hockey, yeah, public school, private school, homeschool, sports, which sports, how often? There's only one sport, <laughs> wrestling. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, you know how? <laughs> there you go. All right, that's a prophetic word. Let's end. Let's end this interview. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go sign him up. Um, so uh, yeah, but so that's why looking back on my life, I'm kind of like. I don't really know what I want to do with this, but, but, um, so yeah, because it was shaped poorly by it, I almost want to stay away from that. But I I don't think that that's, that that's like living in fear also. Right. So we have to pray and ask God, but, um, yeah, I mean, negatively, like, I mean, I was 15 years old. I left home, went to prep school for hockey and, you know, you're in a, you're at a school where, it is not a Christian school. Yeah. It's a highly academic environment. Um, and it's like a lot of kids that have a lot of money and there, you can find anything you want there. And yeah, I mean, it was two or three weeks in the school where it was just immediately faced with temptation being given, you know, yeah, substances and drugs and different things. And it really didn't take long for me to just slip into that. And, um, there was just not like you didn't go to, we didn't go to, I didn't have a church to go to. I didn't have a coach that was like, yeah, love Jesus. I didn't have a mentor on campus. I didn't have a, a group, a study group, you know, at, so f- for n- nine or 10 months out of the 12 months of the year as a 15 year old, that's my environment. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you were being discipled by 15 year old drunks. Yeah. Exactly. And 18 year old with, with lots of money. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. <clears throat> and they were being discipled should... by like adults who right. didn't care. Right. And so, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, um, yeah. And then, and then, so like prep school was one thing and then like junior hockey is a whole nother because then you're like 18 and you're kind of in this like gap. You're almost between yeah. uh, high school and college. So no one's even in school. So like you literally live in an apartment (laughs) with like a couple other hockey guys and all you have to do is wake up and go to practice and go to the gym. And that's all you do. So you can imagine what guys would fill their time with. And yeah, yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? Like, you know, but that's the path to success in the sport. So it's like, if you want to be a successful hockey player, that's the path you take, but then that's what comes along with it is that, 
cultural, spiritual environment. Yeah, there's no other environment. And mm-hmm. there's no, there's no like support for Christianity. So you, you're doing it by yourself. If you're a Christian, like you're going to be alone. You're the only guy. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, that like you would say, hey, well, you should be that guy, right? Um, <laughs> but right, I just didn't have... Yes. I didn't have that strong of a faith, you know, to be able to like hold me. So, um, I wasn't, but, um, you know, but even at that, like I look back and God can redeem all things, you know, and being in that environment, I've learned so many lessons. I've learned how to relate to people that aren't saved. You know, I, now I don't, I love church so much, but Mm. I've also spent the the majority of my life with people that like don't go to church. So, (laughs) I can right. not be as like thrown off when crazy stuff happens or someone <laughs> comes. Like, I've learned to speak church, but my heart language is hockey. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So if you, uh, if you get uh, body checked to uh, going to get communion on Sunday, um, that's Jake's way of telling you he loves you. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah. yeah. No, I feel you. Yeah. I mean, there's, then if there's I, similarities if that, in my journey too. Yeah. Well, then you get, then the police officer will come in and wrestle you to the ground. <laughs> exactly. And show you that uh, wrestlers are tougher than hockey players. Oh, well, whatever. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a, uh, I think if I, if I had to pick between um, which skills I wanted in, in a, a genuine street fight, I would take wrestling over, over hockey. But I don't know that I would say hockey players are weak sauce. I mean, you guys are, you guys work hard. You take, take some hard shots. You guys are pretty tough. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta be tough. I mean, I'm, I'm not a big hockey fan, so it's, I don't, I don't know a, a ton of, you know, the history of the details or the intricacies of the sport or the game, but I've watched enough hockey to know hockey players are pretty tough. Mm-hmm. Although my dad, my dad, he's, he, he's, he remembers, um, back when, um, hockey players didn't play with masks. Yeah. And when that was kind of like a big deal is they were starting to try and, well, so even before, they required them the like he knows the name of the guy who was the first hockey player to wear a mask and everybody called him names. <laughs> really? Oh yeah. Like he was, he was an absolute sissy <laughs> for wearing a mask. <laughs> so that's, that's the history, which gives you a little bit of insight into like the culture of the sport. You know what I mean? That, that you would play a sport where, um, you know, a frozen, frozen, uh, hockey puck, traveling that thing goes over 100 miles an hour right some people can yeah, shoot right. it that hard yeah and it, and and you don't wear a mask <laughs> it's insane <laughs> right and that's just the way you play yeah yeah so i mean and even though that's not the way it's played anymore that's that's its origins yeah so yeah you guys are pretty tough yeah tough or stupid one of the well <laughs> maybe both i think you can be tough without being stupid and you can be stupid without being tough. But I think those two things are very intricately linked to each other. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Tightly interwoven, uh, personality traits. Yeah. 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 Huh? Well, so what, um, I mean, you've talked a little bit about some of the positive things that you learned from hockey and some of the negative things that you received from it. Um, but also talked about, yeah, just like how you, like like where either God was or wasn't in that for you. Um, what are some of the things like as you, you know, so that like when's the last time you played? Like I know you still play hockey, so like I know you're still playing. But when, like when did that kind of like end your, I guess your pursuit of like a light, like I'm going to the NFL or NFL NHL, like mm-hmm. that that kind of like sense of like I have a trajectory that I'm pursuing. When did that end for you? Um, pretty early. Okay. Well, you went to West Point. <laughs> yeah. At that point, it was more about like, uh, I, this is a, this is a more deeper conversation. Okay. I don't know if I actually had a dream to play in the NHL. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I thought it was cool. Okay. But I think it was more, uh, just the culture of my family, I guess. And my brothers played. And so gotcha. we were kind of just like, you know, that's the pinnacle, right? The NHL. Yeah. Um, but like getting a college scholarship was highly valued okay. in my home. So, yeah. um, that's kind of what I was pursuing. Um, and yeah, I mean, so like as a, as a 12, 13, 14 year old, 
you know, I did play with like a guy like Patrick Kane who yeah. has won the Stanley Cup. You know, like he was, you know, I'd see him at the rink all the time and he like would just be stick handling a ball. Like he'd go to practice, then he'd go to another practice yeah. with another team. And then in between practice, he'd be in the lobby just playing with a golf ball. And, you know, and I'm getting a soft pretzel with cheese and playing bubble <laughs> hockey, you know? Exactly. <laughs> and it's like, he just wanted it. Like, he just loved it. And you can't teach passion. You can't teach, like, love. And I think, know. so, <clears throat> but I'm going to say something. I think you'll agree with me, but maybe you won't. As much as somebody, like, I don't know Patrick Kane, but I know the type. And, again, I wasn't that. But I've, I've interacted with, you know, like I've hung out. I, I knew guys in high school and college that I would call friends. They would call me friends. They would still know who I am, who have Olympic medals now, right? Yeah. So like that caliber of, mm-hmm. of wrestler. They definitely love the sport. They were psychopaths. Mm-hmm. Like that level of athlete, there's, there's something missing in your head. <laughs> or there's something present in your head that doesn't belong there or whatever. You're just different. Yeah. Um, I, you would agree? Yeah. Um, we had... Um so Case Keenum just got traded to the Bills from the, the right. Browns. Um, and I had, we had his dad on the radio. Yeah, you were telling me. And he was just like, yeah, you know, I was like, how do you get your kid to the NFL? You know, like, what's the secret? And, and he's, he said that there's something in my son. Yeah. Right. He was just like, I t- I, he's like, I made him play a lot of different sports. I made him do um, soccer for footwork. And uh, what do you say? Like, some type of martial art or something for like just coordination at a young age. And then he said, I was less concerned about special specialization as I was about competition. Yeah. I just wanted to get him to as many and competitive environments as possible. And then he's like, you know, you got, the kids got to love it. Like if they love it, they're going to, they're just going to do it. They're going to go walk to the field to throw the football around, you know, like that. And the best, the best in the world at any sport they just wake up in the morning and that's what they want to do. And right. If you, if you don't have that, like go great play sports because it's a great environment. It's right. great to learn. It's going to, you could get a scholarship. You could save yourself a lot of money. You, there's a lot of different uh, pros, but yeah, don't expect to make it to the pros if you aren't like, yeah, a psychopath. you're a little twisted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's something wrong with you. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. No, for sure. Yeah. Interesting. Well, so, I mean, there obviously there's a lot more to being an elite athlete than just being a psychopath, but I think that's an essential piece. It's a foundation. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're listening to this yeah. and you have children and you want them to be well-adjusted, <laughs> actually, that that's actually not true. What I would say is if you have, it's a, it's a channel for people who, you know, so whatever, Patrick Kane, if he wasn't doing that with the the golf ball and the hockey stick, you know, maybe he's plotting to take over another country or, you know what I mean? Like, but this is a man who's driven to take over the world. And the fact that that got channeled through hockey is actually a good thing. Yeah. And so I think that there is something to that. That's actually really healthy. Like that is, there is a, a, you know, again, not that hockey is the, most important. It's not at the end of the day, hockey doesn't really matter at all. Mm-hmm. And as much as I, it pains me to say this wrestling doesn't matter at all. Um, but it can be a venue for things that really do matter <clears throat> and it can be formative or it can channel, it can channel people who are driven like that, um, into healthier pursuits. Yeah. I think there's a lot of geniuses and world changers and Beethoven's out there who are kind of stuck in like the nine to five or in maybe what, the expectations of their yeah. parents were the world were and they have this like really beautiful gift inside of them that God has put inside of them um, and they have passion and they wonder why mm. they might feel crazy like I'm yeah. crazy I, I don't fit in I'm I, I you know I, I fall here on even like on a spectrum or something like that and I, I really believe God yeah is in that and he's really made all of us really special and yeah. um and sometimes it just takes like breaking away and creating that space for God to kind of light, light the fire in our heart for what we're really supposed to do. I think a lot of people are just doing something because it's what they're supposed to do and they're not, maybe they're not pursuing their God given passions. And yeah, I mean, I'm, it's always a journey, right. Of like trying to discover that and move towards that. I read a lot of like Mark Batterson and like 
Hmm. Um, uh, he's got one called Win the Day, which is really good. That just came out. The Wild Goose Chase book. Yeah. Um, Chase the Lion. These are all really good books. But you know, a guy who started a church in the metro area of DC that is on the national stage now, and hmm. just the faith that was required to to get there. And you know, he I think he failed all of his college writing classes, <laughs> and now he's like a New York Times bestselling author, like. 10 times over or whatever, you know, and yeah. God has a really funny way of like using our weaknesses and using things that are inside of us that maybe the world would label as like crazy or twisted, you know, like a guy like Patrick Kane, like, yeah, yeah. Like he didn't, he, he honestly didn't have as many friends. Like he was so serious about hockey <laughs> right? and now he's like on billboards and right. on, we watch him on TV and we all want to be his friend. Yeah. And, uh, but you know, he was doing what like came from his his belly, right? And yeah. um, uh, so yeah, it's yeah. Mm-hmm. I think you can teach some elements of like discipline and and um, yeah, like that Napoleon, that conquering, pioneering spirit, like is in all of us. But I think you actually have to like also lo- like really love and have a passion for like what you're doing. You have to kind of like I like to think of it like uh, if you were if you could live okay like if you could live wherever you wanted. So just pick, pick a random place. This is an exercise I've been doing with myself and other people lately. Mm. Pick a random place to live. Everyone says like Jamaica or, you know, no, not me. Okay. Where are you going? So it depends on why. So in terms of just like most beautiful place on earth, just Northern California coast, okay. redwoods, rock cliffs, ocean. Amazing. Uh, in terms of people right here. Okay. So, Great. Or, or, or in terms of like history and adventure, maybe like, I don't know, somewhere in the Mediterranean. Okay. Rome. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So I got, I see, I, I can't pick one place. I got to have three. Okay. That's, that's fair. That's right. fair. I'm going to, I'm going to live in three places. <laughs> I'm going to have a summer home, a winter home, a spring home, and then I'll travel in the fall. Yeah. Well, you, good thing you have a private jet, so you can just... <laughs> Uh, does that come do with that? Yeah. Does that come with this thought experiment? The private jet? <laughs> sure. Okay. Good. That's Great. the point. Is to get out because it's so that is really the point is because we're limited by money. We're limited by like expectations. Yeah. And I, I, God doesn't live in the land of limits. You know what I mean? Um. There's wisdom. He has seasons for us. Like we don't just get whatever we want. It's not like a vending machine, God. But I think it's great to just get outside. So I just say like, where would you live? People say Jamaica or whatever. <laughs> what? And then. All right, just take your family out of it. Take everything God's called you to do, your people, your church, your just take it all out. You li- you now live in Jamaica. You have three meals a day and a dessert. You can have whatever you want. Just order it a la carte. Someone will just bring it to you. You don't have to worry about food. You don't have to worry about money. You don't have to worry about where you live. All right, what are you going to do? Like you wake up in the morning, what are you going to do? Then they say, watch Netflix. <laughs> so then I said, all right, how long are you going to do that? for?" Yeah, exactly. I was like, go ahead, watch all the shows on Netflix. All right. When you finally get so bored of Netflix, you've been to the beach so many times, there's a holy, there's going to be a holy discontent inside of you. Right. At some point you're going to come face to face with the fact that something burns in you because yeah. God put it there. Yeah. And, um, and then what is that thing? And then the, so that really gets people thinking and they're like, Oh, I would do this. And you're like, okay, well, what do you do right now? And they're like, uh, you know, <laughs> I watch Netflix and work at McDonald's. Exactly. Yeah. Like I get a paycheck from someone who like I'm producing more money for them than they're producing for me. Right. It's so, like, I'm helping build someone else's vision. Yeah. And then I'm so tired from family and all the things at the end of the day, just watch Netflix. And then like, I don't know. I just think there's more to life than that. And a guy like Patrick Kane, like right. he took a risk at 15 years old, 13, yes, he 14. Did. He took a giant risk. He bet it all on his love, his passion. Yeah. And, and it worked out. And I've been on the other side of those tracks where I've like bet it all on passion. It didn't work out. Right. right. So like we've all been burned. We've all had that experience. Right. But I think I do thank God, especially today. This is kind of a tangent, so sorry, but... No, I, this isn't... This is now what we're talking about. Okay. Yeah. So, like, today, I mean, where the world is going, I mean, we've as Christians, like, I really think we need to get to a place where we're, like, living out of conviction again, because mm-hmm. it has... The, the world has never been more demanding of our schedule, 
of our of our uh, attention, yeah. of our interests, of our of our ideals and our values. Like the world is doing everything it can to take every inch of space in every human being. There's literally apps and programs that have algorithms designed to to do exactly that <laughs> to find out how they can literally take the most of your soul and f- for financial gain for them yeah. which is great good job like that's what a business does right like i don't i don't hate them for that but they've found the way into like the human psyche and into, into sociology right mm-hmm. and like and as christians like we really need to get back to i think the secret place with God and creating yeah. space for God to say like, Hey, no, 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 don't forget. Like you have a holy fire in you yeah. that the world needs. Don't listen to that stuff. You need to kind of move back into this place and go after what God has for you. No, I think, I think you're spot on and I don't think it's a tangent. Um, so, so first of all, I like tangents. So I, I told you this <laughs> about this podcast, right? And for those of you listening, if you're bothered by the fact that uh, we take tangents on this podcast, you're listening to the wrong podcast. <laughs> because, uh, yeah, we just Steve does not care about the algorithm into your soul. He cares really. about I'm 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 hacking my own soul. <laughs> I don't care about yours. No, I do care about yours. But uh, yeah, I like I don't I don't like scripts. There's a time and a place. But I'm having a conversation with my friend Jake. And, uh, if you want to listen, welcome, (laughs) but also actually, I don't think it's a tangent because so talking about sports more broadly is different than talking about vocation, but for you and I, it's not right. Yeah. I mean, when you look at the trajectory of our lives, both of us at some point in our lives would have identified wrestling or hockey as our vocation, as our identity. And I think there are places within which I would say about myself, I don't, I don't know how you would answer this question, but for me, there are places, places in my soul and over the course of my life, different periods where that was innocent and healthy mm-hmm. and places where that was idolatrous, right? So yeah. it fell into both categories. Um, but like that, but it was definitely a part of the trajectory that God used to help me find what is my vocation and what is my purpose and what is my identity. And that, and so like that, like, you know, you, you talked about like living from your gut or that like passionate place of, you know, the fire inside of you that comes from God. Um, like I had that for wrestling for, for a lot of my life and still can sort of kind of get it for wrestling. Like I have to be careful cause it, it pulls me in. Um, but some of the things that I was passionate about that were for wrestling weren't actually really about wrestling. It was just wrestling that awakened that in me or gave me a venue for what was really actually something deeper that God made me for or called me to. And so I think we are talking about the same thing, you know, and I would way rather wrestle than watch Netflix Mm -hmm. or coach wrestling than watch Netflix any day of the week. Mm -hmm. Like not even a question, you know, I mean, I still watch Netflix from time to time. (laughs) So I can never watch it. Maybe I watch a little too much, but um, yeah, it's, and, and then there are other things, the, the things that I would identify as like the places that God has called me, where I have awakened to who I am, the way God has wired me and what I'm here for. I'd way rather do those things than watch Netflix mm-hmm. again. It's so I think we're, I don't think it's tangent at all. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like, <clears throat> you know, story of Gideon. Yep. So it says, you know, the Israelites were basically being like, pillaged by the Midianites for seven years because they were like worshiping idols and Gideon's dad had like idols set up and like God met with Gideon and we know like the fleeces, he put his fleeces out to see if God was calling him to to like go do something crazy for him. And he ripped down his dad's um, Asherah poles and, and then basically like led the Israelites to like totally defeat the Midianites with like 300 guys. Right. This miraculous story. But at the beginning of Judges six, it says that the Israelites were were um, were living in in the the, dwell, the cliff dwellings, and they had fields of crops that were there. Were all these fields that they had planted, and every year the Midianites would just come in and just ransack the place, take all the crops, and leave. And it's like I think so sometimes so many of us are like living in that pattern of life where it's like we have dreams. 
but like we're kind of just like okay just like living in these caves and letting the world kind of just take take it all from us and i think that's what sports does is like like you said wrestling like that was your full-time job like right but at least you were down there wrestling the Midianites. You weren't just like hanging out in the cave and like letting the world, you know, yeah. uh, kind of decide who Steve Shank was going to be. Did you make all the right decisions? Did I make all the right decisions? Like, no, we no. didn't at all. Not even close. But at least we were out like getting hit with pucks and like getting <laughs> tackled, you yes. know. Um, and that, and it, maybe it's not sports for you if you're listening. You know, it's something else. But like, go do it. Like, I think it's like uh, John Wesley said, like, love God and do whatever your heart finds, um, uh, to do, you know? And it's like, just go do something. You know, I think that's kind of the point is like, get out and go do something, go fishing, go, you know, go do wrestling, paint something, design something, get, get it, go for that job. You've always been wanting, like God will walk with you in that. Like he'll be so faithful to show up for you and grow you and, and stuff like that. I think the only time we fail is when we don't try. Right. So, yes, no, I think I, I, again, I agree completely with what you just said. And that like that John Wesley quote is great because it gets at. So the idea of vocation is tied to, well, it's like that question of like, well, what is God's will for my life? Mm. And as I think as different corners of the church probably handle that differently. So I don't think Catholics or even some of the other mainline folks get hung up about it the way mm. some of the, the evangelicals and Pentecostals do, um, which is both good and bad on both sides of the equation. Cause like on the one side, it's like, I don't really ask the question what God wants for my life. I mm. just do what I want and then call it Christianity. <laughs> right. That's not necessarily the way it should work. But then on the other side, it's like, how many strokes of my toothbrush does God want me to go on this tooth? It's like, no, just brush your teeth. Like it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? So like we can obsess about every little detail and like, what does God want for this? You know, what color socks does he want me to wear today? (laughs) Like he really doesn't care. He doesn't even care if you wear socks. Like Uh uh, your, your friends might, but he doesn't. And, uh, and like even so that, that quote from John Wesley, which I've heard it before, is that an exact quote or were you paraphrasing? I was probably paraphrasing. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty close though. I also didn't know that that was John Wesley. So that's cool. Yeah. Look it up. There you go. We'll try to look it up here. But it gets at like, so clearly there are things outside of God, God's will and there are things inside of God's will. And there are times and places where God will give real specific direction to people about small details or large things, but also there's a lot of freedom. Mm-hmm. Like God, I think God, so this is, um, comes out of one of Dallas Willard's books. He says that when you think about as a father with your children, what your will for their lives is, there are times and places where you have some real specific thing that you want them to do. Like, Hey, take out the trash or, mm. you know, don't punch your sister or whatever yeah. it is. But for the most part, it's like, what do you want to do? No, 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 no. You're five years old. You can't play in the street, but you can play in your bedroom if you want. You can play in the backyard if you want. You can play Legos. You can play soccer. Like, what do you want to do? Yeah. There might be a like, okay, now it's time for homework or now it's time for dinner. But there's also just like a ton of like, like liberality to God's will for our lives where he says to us, what do you want to do? Yes. What, what is in your heart to do? And as long as it comes out of, did you find the quote? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's the quote? It's so it's St. Augustine. Uh, so it's not even close. <laughs> that actually makes more sense. Okay. I know a little bit more about Augustine and that makes more sense that that would come from Augustine. Um, Go ahead. So it says, love God and do whatever you please for yes. the soul trained in love to God will do nothing to offend the one who is beloved. Yeah. So the first part again, love Ooh. God and do what you please. Do whatever you please. Yeah. So, um, yeah. We could, we could talk theology, Augustinian theology for a minute, but that if, if what our passions are, are passions that have come out of our first passion for God, wow. that like God is in that. Yeah. Now that's a big if. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of passions that don't come from our passion for God. Right. And our passions can be, I mean, that's what original sin is. Again, this, I'm like channeling some Augustine here, but our passions are twisted, right? Our mm-hmm. loves and our desires get twisted by the world that we're raised in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so 
it's a big if. Mm-hmm. But when our passions and our drives and our desires and our loves genuinely come out of our relationship with God, our love for him, his love for us, and when that is what's shaping who we are and what we want and what we're passionate about, that's exactly what God wants us to go do and yeah. to pursue. Yeah, it's so good. <clears throat> I like, I mean, even the second part, which which I didn't quote at the beginning, but maybe yeah. more important, uh, the soul trained in love to God will do nothing to offend the one who is beloved. Yep. Um, and so it's like back to the parent and kid analogy that you brought up. Like that all hinges on relationship though, right? Like um, it, the Bible says like, I don't, I desire, I, I desire obedience, not sacrifice, right? Like the Lord, um, so he's not looking for us to like make all these external legalistic sacrifices for him. He's looking for us to be with him and then to just obey his voice. And like you said, that might be very specific or it might just be like, just be with me and do whatever you please. You know, maybe it's today. I need you to go talk to that person or yes, I am calling you to take that job or to do this thing, but on the day to day. Yeah. And I think that's stretching. I think theologically for us to think that like this all powerful, all knowing, all in control or whatever, right. God would like give us that autonomy and it not be like a sin. Like we should obey every single thing that he says. Right. Like, but that's, that is actually what's in scripture over and over again. So there's, I think it's in Galatians where Paul says that the law is a tutor or um, it depends on the translation used, but basically like the law is the law is there to, to train us in something for a season that then we are. Yeah. So again, if the law is like a tutor, it's like, okay, you have a child, they go to school, they learn some things, but the goal is that they leave school and go out into the world and make their way. Right. So that, you know, you, you learn some geography, but then eventually you go out and you see the world. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like a metaphor that I think has been really helpful to me is that the law is like um, like training wheels on a bicycle. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like that's really important when you've got a kid that doesn't know how to ride a bike. They'll keep falling over. They might hurt themselves or break the bike or get scared and not want to learn or whatever. And so you put some training wheels on a bike and they start to learn how to ride a bike. They get comfortable and confident with it. Um, and then you take the training wheels off, like you take the constraints off. And that's exactly the way as Christians, we would relate to the Jewish law is, yeah, it was there to train God's people for a season, but ultimately God didn't like the point of riding a bike is not that you are effectively using training wheels. Like that's Mm. not the point at all. The point of riding a bike is that you're having fun, you're going places, you're, you know what I mean? Like, that's why you ride a bike is mm. I want to go see that thing and I want to get there faster than I could if I walk. So, and, and it's enjoyable. So I'm going to go ride a bike. So getting fixated on the training wheels is to totally miss the point, mm. right? And so getting fixated on the law is to totally miss the point. Having said that, you can't ride a bike if you haven't learned how to ride a bike. You don't get to have that freedom if you haven't learned how to to do it. And there's right and wrong ways to ride a bike, right? So, you know, you, you, you don't want to break the bike and you don't want to get injured. And so there's some rules that you have to follow, but the constraints that are put on God's people through the law, just like the constraints that are put on a child when they have training wheels are actually not the point. Mm. And there are things that you can do with a bicycle when you take the training wheels off that might actually even look like breaking the rules, but like once, once you've gotten good enough to ride a bike, you can do backflips and, you know, you could do all that kind of stuff. You could do some crazy stuff with a bike once you get good at it. That might look like breaking the law, quote unquote, but it actually isn't. And that's exactly what you see, you know, from Jesus forward is that kind of like, hey, we're taking the training wheels off now because that's always been the point. Wow. Is like God wants us to be good and free. He yeah. wants us to be powerful and free. He wants us to have the power to do whatever we can do, the freedom to do whatever we want to do. But he wants us to be the kind of people who have gone through, you know, to, to, to point at that Augustine quote, who have been trained by the love of God in our lives to only want to do things that are actually good. So you could do whatever you want. You have the power to do whatever you want. You have the right to do whatever you want, the freedom to do whatever you want. But because of your relationship with God, you only want to do what God wants you to do with your life. Yeah. And that's like, 
that is this vision of a fully formed, healthy, redeemed human being that I think you find in scripture. That's such a powerful uh, image. Right. So to you is, is it more, is it um, more frustrating or more freeing that the point is to have fun riding a bike as opposed to (laughs) having the wheels on, having the right gloves, having the right helmet, riding in the right place, getting, checking all the boxes. Cause what you're saying is that's not what it's about. And Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I leave so that the Holy Spirit will come. Yeah. And that's, we have to live in that tension. There's theological tension, yeah. practical tension, what we're talking about, like sports and calling and your vocation, like tension in what should I do every day? What should I do with my life? There's all these tensions we have to live in. There's not necessarily, like Jesus didn't necessarily give us an answer. He gave us yeah. a spirit, right? Is it so to you that's freeing? Yes. I, so I think that there, there are, well, there's often, there's often two different sides of all, all issues. I'm not even spiritually. And in this there, I think that there are two errors, right? There's the error of being too free mm-hmm. <laughs> and having no constraints, yeah. <laughs> which again, goodness should be the constraint on our freedom, right? Um, that what we choose to do and even what we want to choose to do is fundamentally good as God defines good. Mm-hmm. That should be the constraint on our freedom. Um, but then having said that, the flip side is that there shouldn't be um, kind of like this legalistic, rigid misunderstanding of what goodness actually is, mm. right? Like getting caught up in, and we've all, exp- I mean, if you've ever been to the DMV or any other bureaucracy, you know firsthand what it feels like to have somebody who is literally perpetrating evil in the name of <laughs> the follow- following the rules. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and so that, like, that's, that's the error on the other side, right? Is, well, you, like you just committed genocide. Yeah, but I followed the rules while I was doing it. It's mm-hmm. like, that's horrible. Mm-hmm. Right. But both of those can get into that really wacky, evil place. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people tend to lean in one direction or the other. I lean in like, I'm, I'm the guy who's like, woohoo, freedom. <laughs> it's all good. I'm mm-hmm. all free all the time, which I think you probably do too. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I, I know a little bit of your history. So I just assume <laughs> that of you, but like, that's what got me in trouble a ton is it's just like all freedom all the time, do whatever you want with no constraints. And that's not healthy um, at all. Mm-hmm. So I do lean in that direction of like experiencing the freedom of God, like the genuine freedom of God, the healthy freedom of God is something that is what I think I always was longing for. And I naturally wanted and kind of like lean in that direction anyway. Mm. Um, but I mean, the, there's truth on the other side too, right? Like the, like the training wheels are there for a reason and they're good. And I'm the person who naturally rejected the training wheels, even when I needed them. And God was the one telling me, no, 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 you need these. I was the one saying, I don't need those. I'm going on. It's like, yeah, you just broke everything. Mm. So I don't know. Is that, uh, that's, yeah. So yes, I do experience it that way, but that has a lot more to do with my temperament Mm -hmm. and my, my own just personality. Whereas I think other people maybe lean in the other direction. For sure. Yeah. And it's both. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's so good. I don't know what I am. Yeah. I think for me, I I might actually be a training wheels guy. Yeah. But because I felt like I couldn't do it the right way, mm. I just gave up. You yeah. know, because like I grew up like hearing the Bible stories and, um, yeah. you know, I knew God was like real, but I was like, if he's perfect, yeah, he's going to want us to be perfect. And I'm not, so I'll keep trying, but I'm getting really like almost like hurt and vulnerable from trying so hard. Mm. And then it was just like, uh, I'm just going to ignore this because like I can't do it. And it wasn't until I understood that Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I'll give you rest. And that rest is from that religious striving of trying to be perfect on your own and trying to be your own savior. That's when I 
that's when my life totally changed when yeah. I realized I had a savior that, yeah, like was perfect, but like came to like have relationship with me first yeah. and exactly like what we're talking about, like just wanted me to love him and wanted to be my beloved and then wanted to see me f- soar. You know, yeah. it's harder for me to understand that God wants us to just ride the bike around and have so much fun, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I think I am maybe a little bit opposite. And that's why I just rebelled is because I was like, yeah. whatever, you know, like I can't do these training wheels. I can't, I'm not riding properly. I'm not. And yeah. I think I still struggle with that. Like that's, and that's why you hear that passion or that, that passion from pain in me. Like right. as Christians, you know, I'm preaching myself. Like, I think we need to get back to this place of conviction because yeah we're being programmed and trained to like do things a certain way right now. Yes. By many different yes. institutions. Right. Even well, the church. And that's where the training wheels are helpful. Yeah. But I think, you know, I, I'd never really explored this metaphor enough. So this is, this is cool. But I think I'm to, giving you like four to six weeks of sermon, <laughs> yeah. <the> sermon series. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have, we have, so we're, we're, we're going through Lent and then we have Easter and then we're going to jump into um, uh, the gospel of Luke. So we'll be in Luke for like two years. Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> So, uh, but, but yeah, this is, this is helpful because so there's, there's the training wheels and then there's the taking the training wheels off. And both of those have like a season and a purpose, right? Yeah. Like you put the training wheels on to be trained into how to ride a bike in a way that's safer and healthier and avoids destruction and pain. But then you also take them off so that you can go and ride and get places and have fun and enjoy Mm. the bike ride. But there's actually like a more, a more important piece to all of this, which I'm thinking about because of the way you've been talking about it, which is you're four years old and you get on the bike with the training wheels, whether you want the training wheels or you don't, whether you're, you know, again, so if you're a training wheels guy and I'm a like no training wheels guy, it's like, well, why would you get on the bike with the training wheels in the first place? And when do you know when it's time to take them off? And how do you navigate the fact that you love the safety of the training wheels or hate the constrictions of the training wheels? And all of that boils down to your dad or your mom or your uncle or whatever, who's like, Hey, come get on a bike. You'll, you'll like this. No, no, no. We're going to have some training wheels. Mm -hmm. And like, I think it's time to take them off. I think you can handle that. Like all of that actually comes out of the person that is already knows how to ride the bike. Who's walking you through that process, which, you know, metaphorically that is, that's God. Like that's us being in this relationship with God where he says, Hey, I think you need some training wheels. And we're like, okay, if you think I need them, cool. Mm-hmm. And he says, Hey, I think it's time to take these off. And you're like, okay, mm-hmm. that's a little scary, but I think I trust you. If you want me to take them off, I'll give it a shot. You know? And even just like the invitation, he's like, Hey, this is a bicycle. I think you'll like it. And we're like, all right, cool. If you think I'll like it, I'll check it out. <laughs> and like that, that's that like relationship with God that that should be what animates our attitude and interaction with the law and should be our attitude and like motivation towards our attitude towards our interaction with like our own desires and our own pursuit of free, like the free expression of who we think we are mm-hmm. is that it comes out of, you know, God's like, Hey, here's a bike. Yeah. Check it out. Get on it. Yeah. Here's how you use it. Now you can use it however you want. Mm. Do you think there's a, a point in the maturity of a believer? Are there markings? Or have you experienced that yeah, where so God's you. like, you have to. I might be going through it right now, to Tell be me. honest. I don't know. I mean, I think this is relevant to me because, uh, yeah, I mean, I just gave my life to Jesus as a 22-year-old, surrendered everything to him, got married to a pastor's daughter <laughs> immediately. <laughs> so she whipped me into shape, um, had this, three kids. This is this is a plan that you're putting out there for other people to yeah, follow? Yeah, definitely. This is... <laughs> This is what you want to do. We need, we need, I actually need to interview Rebecca. We, we, you should. I yeah. actually would like to. That would be fun. Yeah. I got on a bike and it was just like downhill, no helmet, <laughs> no, no pads, just like, <laughs> no here you go. Wheels, yeah. yeah. No pedals, no, no steering. Yeah. <laughs> just going. Yes. Um. So, yeah, but just out of love, you know, yeah. for Jesus, like went to Bible school, started coaching hockey. Move, move back to Buffalo, started working with FCA, just been like 
but I think more recently I've I've been like really purposed in my heart to live in my season and to grow and to a lot of those character flaws that I was talking about, even just um, as a 15 year old, like do the extra laps. You know what I mean? Like, do I love everything I do every day? No, (laughs) but I do the extra lap. Right. Right. Jocko Willink, you know, like, I mean, but it's like, you know, there's something to be said for that. Right. There's something to be said for like living with that, with that discipline. Um, but I also think that spiritually having walked with the Lord for, uh, you know, over 10 years, like, which isn't a long time, but, um, and served in ministry for like six or seven of those years. Um, it's like, I think I'm coming to a place where maybe it's, it's more of like, Hey, like God's maybe tell even leading me into a season of like, a, you know, it's time to take the training wheels off in a way and like, yeah. like love me and be with me. But like, and I'm going to tell you some things to do and you're not going to, it's not going to be pretty and you're not going to want to do all of them. But it's, I don't know, I guess I am really praying through like, what does it look like to just, you know, not ask God what socks to put on in the morning type of thing. Like, yeah, go just do what, do what you please. Like, and um, like love him and, love people and um you know because there's all these now there's so many strategies right like you can go on youtube and you can find a strategy on how to write a book how to plan a church how to start a business how to be a parent how to do insane explosions how to do trick shots you know (laughs) like you can build anything these days you don't need like the the conventional routes for success i think are changed are completely changed for like these generations whereas it was like go get a get a high school degree get a, get a bachelor's degree. If you're really cool, get a master's degree and then like join the workforce and work for the same company for 50 years. That was the experience for like the generations. And then retire for a year and die. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this and, is your life. Yeah. And now it's like be an influencer on TikTok, you know, <laughs> at 12. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, there's just such so, a side note. My son has got like over a thousand followers on TikTok. Does he? I'm, I'm like, what? Wow. And his brother's like, yeah, he's pretty good at it. (laughs) 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 Okay. Anyway, you need to to interview him. He's an influencer. Yeah. Right. I really want to interview my daughter. She said she'll do it. Okay. So yeah, but I don't know if the boys are down for that. I'll ask him. TikTok. Just do an episode on TikTok. How to be a, I don't know that I could have an hour long conversation with either of my boys. Okay. I don't think that they're up for it. It would just turn into like a wrestling match. Right. Like, let's get ready to rumble. This is so boring. Why are we doing this? Can we please do something? (laughs) Zoe, on the other hand, she's crazy, man. Like she was probably like 10 years old the first time she walked up to me and she's like, dad, can we have an intellectual conversation? I was like, sure. What do you want to talk about? (laughs) That's awesome. The boys that like the equivalent experience with the boys is them walking up and like headbutting me or something. Uh Like they don't, they're not like... It's not like I want to talk. Yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah. I don't know what we were talking about. Something we weren't done. Um, I, I think, no, I just, I guess it, yeah, I guess, I don't know. I guess it's changing yeah. like the culture and, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. how to follow Jesus, how to, how to be a Christian, how to pursue your passions. Like, I think there's a much easier entry to the, yes, that world. Yes. But there's a, not a danger. There's a, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. Danger, dark side, uh, challenge, I think is actually the word I'm looking for. There's a challenge to that too in that. And so this is back to that um, Augustine quote. um, Freedom is not good if it doesn't follow training. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. I mean, so you you actually referenced Jocko Willink and, you know, he's got a book called discipline equals freedom, right? Mm-hmm. Which that's actually a Christian concept. I, mm-hmm. I heard that years before through, you know, like te- guys like Dallas Willard or Richard Foster talking about spiritual disciplines, you know, um, but that all freedom with no constraints and not even any, even the constraint of like prior training is like, it's the equivalent of being dropped in the ocean when you can't see land in any direction. It's like, you can go wherever you want. And you're like, 
not helpful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, this is not helpful. Like I need some constraints. You know, yeah. I need, I need something so on the horizon to aim at. I need, you know, yeah. like I need more than just complete freedom mm. in life. And so like what you're pointing at, yeah, there are a ton more paths that are open to people. And if we don't give, you know, like we're raising kids, if we don't raise our kids or if the church isn't giving people, um, some sense of, you know, like some direction and some guidance and some prior training, again, to use Augustine's, you know, language, like the shaping of human desire in some directions around who God is and what God wants, then all of that freedom is, it's even worse, Mm. you know, because, but if, if we, you know, if we have, if we have some of that where it's like, Hey, like, this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. Here is what it looks like to hear his voice or to interact with scripture. Here are the kinds of relationships that he wants us to have. Here are some of the stories from scripture about the ways people have followed Jesus in the past. And, you know, so this is what it looks like. Okay. Now go do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Like when you put people through that process of formation, then you might actually be able to expose them to all of these opportunities that are present in the world, all of these different paths and they can actually like navigate that and make yeah. like be able to walk one of those paths in ways that are really fruitful for them and for the kingdom and for the world. Yeah. And even there's a training aspect, but also the disciple as- discipleship aspect of, you know, as um, iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. Yeah. Um, Cause as such a good point you brought up about like desires, right? Like if you have this ocean, your desires may not be all good. <laughs> yeah. Like right. you were saying, um, even Augustine said that, or I'm not sure, but you were talking about it earlier. Wesley, we, we'll just yeah. quote random people. <laughs> John some, Wesley Some said. guy that's dead. <laughs> we'll just attribute everything to John Wesley. Yeah. <laughs> that'll be, so what you have to keep coming back on and uh, we'll just, that'll be our running. Okay. <laughs> we'll just make up random John Wesley quotes. Yeah. Jake Wesley Hannon. Yeah. John him. Wesley said that you can't <laughs> trust everything you read on the internet. John Wesley. <laughs> That's perfect. Yes. But yeah, I think just like shaping desire too is a big. Right. Because, yeah. Um, but I love the scripture that says like, um, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. That's the same. That's that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's exactly what that is. Yeah. No, that's super cool. I don't think I've ever made that connection, but I, I like I'm familiar with that passage. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Well, yeah, man, it's been over an hour. That was, a, that was fast. It was exactly, but that's a good sign. We were just hanging out talking. Yeah. Cool. I don't know. Anything else you want to say or ask or add or. That's good. Yeah, Thanks we for did, having me on. We did sports. We did vocation. We did passion. We did training wheels and the law and God's will. Yeah. That was fun. BMX is a sport. So BMX is a sport, we got, man. I think we got there at the end. And you cannot do BMX with training wheels on. That's right. But you Ooh. might start your BMX career as a three-year-old with some training wheels. Let's go. It's a great metaphor for our walk of faith. There it is. Yeah. Love it. You too can do a triple-double on a, on a bike. <laughs> Just follow Jesus. He'll take you there. Let's go. All right, man. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. 242 is a podcast from Buffalo Vineyard Church in Buffalo, New York. Our mission is to teach people the way of King Jesus by regularly encountering God, training each other in the faith, and effectively serving our neighbors. This podcast is just one of the many ways we work to realize this. If you'd like to learn more about who we are or get in touch, visit us at buffalovineyard.org. Our theme music is Face to Face from Vineyard Worship. Thank you for listening.